You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota.
Amen. How did you how many of you knew that song? How many of you knew that song? Amen. It's a great blessing. And by the way, uh, uh, the choir, we meet at 9 a.m. on uh, Sunday mornings and every, anyone, everyone is invited to come. You can start at any time. And uh, so uh, why I'm saying how many of you knew that song is because you already know the song. That's pretty that's pretty easy. If you already know the words, you already know the melody, then uh, we can teach you a part and you're in. You're in the choir. And uh, I just wanted to promote that at, at 9 a.m. on uh, Sunday mornings as we're getting set up with other things here. So, excuse me, let's uh, take our hymn books, turn to page 283, 283, Joy Unspeakable. Would you stand with me when you're able to? 283. I have found his grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. I have found the pleasure I once craved. It is joy and peace within. What a wondrous blessing I am saved from the awful gulf of sin. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of and Miss Stephanie are done singing, uh, the children are dismissed to Junior Church, and they will be singing a song entitled, You Are Mine. Yes. 
you will hear my voice I claim you as my choice be still and know I am I'm not used to saying Richard and somebody else. I'm used to saying Richard and Sonia. Thank you so much, uh, Richard and uh, Stephanie. All right. Uh, well, uh, yeah, we're dismissed to junior church if you didn't know. Uh, Melanie's going to be taking the kids back there. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number four today. And I do want to uh, mention once again, uh, if you, you missed a real treat during our first hour, we had uh, Dr. Wesley Hutchins come and uh, gave some testimony, preached a little bit about his uh, 
26 uh, years in uh, serving in the island of Jamaica, and then for the last 12 years, he's been the North American field director, so it's uh, just our honored guest uh, here today, so please be sure to get by and speak to Dr. and Mrs. Hutchins. Uh, married 58 years, they just passed on. Ain't that wonderful? Uh, and so just good friends of mine, great influence on me. I thank them so much. Uh, Nehemiah chapter number four, and I, I wonder, have you ever, you ever tried to do the right thing, but you kept running into opposition? Anybody? I mean, you ever trying to do the right thing and it's just not going right? Uh, maybe you've looked around and let me get my deal right here. You feel overwhelmed, uh, surrounded by problems. The psalmist talked about that. He talked about, man, when I am overwhelmed, it just feels like sometimes life gets to be a lot. And that's what they're facing here in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, they're finding these Jews, as they're trying to do a work for God, are finding themselves in a similar situation. However... We read about some people here who overcame the challenges. Now, these are challenges that were greater than them, but they were able to overcome these challenges with the help of God and for the glory of God, and they were able to accomplish a great work for God. And if I could, if I could instill anything into your hearts today, it's that God will give you the power that you need. He will help you to accomplish. I love what the... Uh, what the Apostle Paul says when he says, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he's promised, yes, sometimes we're overwhelmed. Sometimes problems are coming from every direction. But I'm telling you, if we'll stay faithful, God will do His part as we'll see here in just a moment. See, what they were doing here, in essence, is they were working on and they were protecting something that God had given them. They were claiming what was rightfully theirs, but the problem is, as we'll see in a moment, there was somebody not happy about it. Now, the great thing about going back to the book of Nehemiah that we've been preaching on week after week here on Sunday mornings is that we can truly learn things that will apply to our lives today. But before I make the application, I do just want to take a moment to point out something that I think is good to know from a historical standpoint. And it's the fact that from the beginning of Israel's history, there's been evil rulers trying to destroy Israel. And, I mean, nation after nation. Now, why? Why has people been so intent, one ruler after the other? The reason why is that they are inspired by none other than Satan himself. Satan hates the Jewish people. And he has used one nation after another to try to destroy them. Why? Because God chose the Jews, not a perfect people by any stretch of the imagination, but he chose the Jews to be his vehicle for giving the world the knowledge of the one true God. And to the knowledge of the Word of God. We would not have a Bible today if it weren't for the, the Jews that God used to bring it to us. And not only that, but the Lord Jesus Christ. It was uh, come through on the earthly side through the Jewish lineage. The Bible says in Romans chapter 9 that salvation is of the Jews. And Satan, going all the way back to Nehemiah and other things that we read before Christ was born, was trying to destroy the Jews because he, he knew that through the Jews that, that that line would come through whom Jesus would come. And then since that time, he continues to try to destroy the Jews. Now, just like God had a plan for the Jews in this time, I want you to know today that God has a plan for us. 
And I'm, I'm, I, one of the things I love being able to do is I love look, be, being able to look people square in the eyeballs and say, God has a plan for your life, Hawker. Amen. That you were put on this earth for a reason. God has a plan. Now, here's the problem. The devil has some alternate plans for you, right? I, I think about that when it comes to a lot of decisions that we make. I, I think about it. I, I'm coming up uh, this week. I'm going to be coming up on our 25th wedding anniversary. I believe God had one woman for me. And, uh, but, I, but the devil had a few, let me tell you. But God's got one for me, amen? But so God's got a plan for your life and a purpose. And the thing you need to understand, as we're going to see, and as you already know, is it's not always easy when you say, okay, I think I'll go with God. I think I'll make, okay, God wants to bless me. God, God's got the best. See, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that more abundantly. Jesus wants me to have abundant life. Wonderful, that sounds good. So we just say, good, I, that's what I'll do then. I, I'll begin to live my life in that way. You know, I, I'll become, God wants us to be a part of the church. I'll become a part of the church. I'll, I'll, I'll serve and, and be faithful and I'll, I'll witness and I'll, you know, uh, I'm going to raise my family and be an example in my home and on the job. And yes, I'll do that. And that's all true. But as we've said, opposition, problems, it's not easy. But what I want to tell you today is God wants to use us and He will use us and He is using us because He, just like He was using the Jews to bring the knowledge of God, the Scriptures, and the Savior, He wants to use us today in the same way and, uh, and, and as He still continues to do that. But here's the thing. Satan wants to keep people bound. Jesus wants to set people free. Now, into our text, the last time we preached out of Nehemiah, we saw verses 1 through 6 that it was more of a psychological thing. And we preached about the battle of the mind. And I still want you to know that 100% of the battle that you face in your life is in your mind. In your mind. And I'm not saying, you know, that it's not real, it's just in your mind. I'm saying it's very real and in your mind. Um, but, but that's what we saw. It was more just things they were saying. They, they, they were questioning and they were doubting. They were, you know, pointing out the fact that they didn't believe. In other words, we looked at the fact that they, they were ridiculed. Sanballat, that's this dude's name. Not too many people name their kids that anymore, do they? Uh, but Sanballat ridiculed their ability. He said, you're not able to do this. You know, you, you ever start believing that God can really do something with your life? But then all of a sudden, you start thinking, wait a second. I'm reminded about who I really am. Anybody? You know who you really are? Who are you trying to fool? All right? So that's what they dealt with. I preached that. I'm not going to preach that part again. Preach that on, in the last message. Who are you trying to fool? He ridiculed their ability. He ridiculed their aspirations. He ridiculed their uh, altar. They rid he ridiculed their God, and he ridiculed their ardor. In other words, their ability to keep on going. Now the enemy is using discouragement and fear. Notice here in verses 7 and 8. The Bible says in Nehemiah 4 verse 7, But it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stuck, that they were very wroth. Which means angry. You go back to verse 1, the Bible says they were wroth. Now they're very wroth. Verse 8, and they conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Uh, they wanted to fight against Jerusalem, but it's interesting, they were content to hinder it. 
even if they just couldn't totally bring it down, you know what? That Satan would be just content if he could hinder the work of God in this church. He would be satisfied if he could just hinder, just kind of put a, put a drag on, uh, you know, uh, kind of take you out of the way and, and from off the path and in the, in taking those steps that God would have you on. So the enemy to fight against and to hinder. So here we go again. The enemy. Because here's the thing. Every one of us in here have fought, have fought battles before. But what gets hard sometimes is you fight a battle, you get through it, and you think, wonderful. But then there's another battle yet to come. I'm visiting with a, just, there, there's a, there's a good friend of mine today that's approaching 100 years old. And I, I, I knew a preacher like this a number of years ago. He's already been on to be, be with the Lord. He was right at 100 years old. And I remember him telling another preacher that he was going through the greatest trial he'd ever been through in his life. I've got a friend of mine now that's in that same age range and literally right now at this time in his life, he is going through the greatest difficulties ever faced in his life. That don't seem fair, does it? I mean, come on, Lord. I've been fighting all my life. But I've got to keep on fighting. Yes, you do. And, and, uh, and so this is encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> Somebody's thinking, oh, man, I thought I was going to. You mean I'm going to. Just hang with me, all right? Because God is faithful, folks. And what we're going to see here is... Number one, I want to notice as you look at this, as we continue, look in verse number uh, 11 with me. And we're going to come back uh, to look at a couple other verses in a moment. But in verse 11, the Bible says, And our adversary said... So we're going to learn what the enemy was up to. Because I believe that we can find out what the enemy was doing here. It's similar to what we face today. He says in verse 11, And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst of them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. So they were planning a sneak attack. Verse 12, And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all the places whence you shall return uh, unto us, they will be upon you. Now, the, 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 we're going to take a quick look at the plot here that was going on. And when you read through some of these verses, you'll find out that the enemy was trying to use intimidation, discouragement, and fear. Folks, fear, lies, and discouragement all work against you. Fear, that includes worry. Anybody ever worry? That's fear, folks. Worry. Uh, anxiety. The enemy will use that fear against you. That he, he'll use intimidation to, to, along with that fear. Lies. Too many of us will sit around and entertain the lies of the devil. Some of the lies that we come up on our own. But these are all things that are used by the enemy to hinder us from choosing the right path. Uh, to hinder us from making the right decision and walking in the way of life that God would have them to do. We just read there in verse 12, a part of their plot was an ambush. There in verse 12, what they're saying is this. See, they would come every day and they're working for those that uh, I haven't mentioned it, but they're building walls around the city of Jerusalem or they're repairing the walls around the city of Jerusalem. And as they uh, repair these walls, they're coming every day. To, 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 some of these people live outside of the city, but travel in to help work on it every day. Then when the day is done, they, they pack up, they head home for the evening. Well, there, there come some people, the enemy's plot had got out. Now, can I just tell you today that the enemy's plot is out? We know what it is. 
It's not hard to see. The problem is we just keep falling for it time and time again. Satan's got a really small playbook. It's not that difficult. It just keeps working because some of us aren't too smart sometimes, all right? And some of us aren't too uh, perceptive. But, and I say that because, honestly, mankind just falls for these plots over and over again. We all do. So, but, but, but word had gotten out. And so these people come and said, hey, what we found out is that when you try to come home, when you leave the work, they're going to ambush you. And I just couldn't help. When I read that, I thought, oh, my goodness. Anybody? You come to do something for God, you know, uh, whether, whether today, man, you just come to worship the Lord. And maybe you come with an open heart and you said, you know what, I, I, I want God to speak to my heart today. I want to hear what God has for me today. And, and so you come and you're like, man, you're getting equipped, you're worshiping, some people are serving, but I want you to know something, there might be an ambush waiting on you. That's what he said. He said they're going to be waiting on y'all when you leave. How many times have you got home and you've thought, some, I, have, has anybody not even made it their car before? I mean, listen, I kid you not. And till all of a sudden, these things start flooding your mind. Or you get a phone call, you get a text, you get something that all of a sudden, that quick. It happens to all of us. There was an ambush waiting. I want to let you know something right now. Satan does not fight fair. He will kick you when you're down. He'll kick you when you're up. He'll kick you when you're down. He'll kick you any chance he gets. But what I'm saying is, they set up an ambush. And... Uh, I tell you, I think about, uh, you know, we, we, got, uh, we got people in here that teach, preach. We have people that, have that, that, that serve. You know, so I'm telling you, I try to tell people anytime that they're starting something new and they're like, hey, I got this idea for this group that we're going to do or this Bible study that we're going to do or, or whatever. I, and, and I'm like, wonderful, that's great. I'm glad that people do that stuff. But I always try to tell them, but you need to remember why you're doing it. Are you doing it for the Lord or are you doing it for a crowd? Because you might do it and you might have, you, you might be, this is the greatest idea ever. This is a need in our church and you put out a sign-up sheet nobody signs up. Or people sign up, don't show up. Or people show up for two weeks and then don't show up. What do you do then? You get ambushed. Because then you're on your way home. Well, I guess I, you know, and you, you, you get discouraged with yourself. You get discouraged with other people. You don't know us preachers, man. Uh, I'm telling you, I wonder even, you know, as I think of Atreyu and, 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 uh, and, and Ryan uh, and, and others that get up to teach or preach. And I'm telling you, you get up sometimes and you're preaching. And, uh, but man, when you leave, some, I, I can't, you know one of the things I don't like about this building we have right now? We might could work on this, fellas. By the way, I've got a list uh, back in my office. You can't see it, so you don't know what it is, but of little projects that we need to work on in the church, okay? Maybe we could add this one. One of the things I liked about being in the storefront, if you'll remember, for those that were there, for those that weren't, you wouldn't know, but the, the pulpit was right here, and it was kind of, you know, kitty corner the way it faced, and there was a door right here, so people were sitting out there where you are, but right here there was a door. You could go down the hall. If you had to go to the bathroom, by the way, you had to come and walk right there and go to the bathroom as we talked about when you're in that storefront but but you could do that or you could just go straight out the door outside you don't know how many times after i got done preaching i just want to go right out that door because i felt like such a failure because i felt like such an idiot you know hey have you ever been ambushed ryan after you got done preaching uh you ever been ambushed to trade you after you've taught or or tried to do something for you singers have you ever been ambushed 
I mean, whatever it is, there's an ambush waiting. And so I'm just telling you what the enemy will do. One of the things he will do, he'll ambush you. But that's not the only thing. We read verses 7 and 8, and we read about, you know, the, uh, the Arabians, the Ammonites, the Ashdites, and, and so forth, and the, the, the Assyrians is who I believe Sam Ballot represents. You want to know something else the enemy do? The enemy will surround you. The enemy will surround you. The, the, so when you look at this, what you find out is that to the north of the city was Sanballat and the Samaritans. To the east, Tobiah and the Ammonites. To the south, Geshem and the Arabs. And to the west, west you had the Ashdites. And so they were surrounded. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel outnumbered? You ever feel surrounded, overwhelmed? I mean, listen, you've got temptation to the south. You've got worry to the north. You've got fear to the east and doubt to the west. I mean, just all around you, you're fighting it. I, I can remember years ago, and not when I was here, but before I came here, I can remember I was going through such a discouraging time, man. I was besieged. I was overwhelmed. I was just, I was facing it, man. I was having a tough time. Discouragement, uh, depression, you name it. I was just so down. And, uh, but I remember I'd, I'd get a call from somebody, and I'd be like, oh, that's, you know, I wouldn't say it's Brother Hutchins because he'd never do this, but it would be something. When I see him calling me, I'm always, I expect an encouraging word. I, that's just the way he is. But, but, you know, somebody's like, oh, man, here's Shane. It's going to be an encouraging thing. And all of a sudden, it ain't. And I answered, I mean, it was just a tough time. I was really going through it. And uh, it, it just seems like even the people that normally encourage you aren't encouraging anymore. But that's how it was. They were surrounded. How about trying to raise your family? You're trying to raise your family. You're trying to do right by your family. But you've got media to the north, social media and otherwise to the north. And, uh, and, and then, then to the east, you've got progressive education. You've got ungodly friends to the south and, and their own sinful nature they're battling with to the west. It's, you look at your kids and it's like, man, they're surrounded. Every which way they go, there's a lot of different applications you can make to this, but the enemy will surround you. See, but I'll say this about that. There's not a lot we can do about that which surrounds us. There's not much we can do about what the enemy does. But what we can do something about is how we respond to the enemy. How we respond to these threats. And just for the next few minutes, I want to look over a few things in this chapter of some things that these people did and some things that they did not do that will help you and I when we are being surrounded. And of course I entitled the name of the message, Building and Battling. Building, anybody know what this is? Yeah, that's right, trial. Building and battling. All right, and so here we go. They're, they're building and they're battling. They're building, and listen, now, uh, what did I actually name the message? It wasn't building and battling. Building and bearing arms. I like bearing arms a little bit better. Now, because literally, remember, these are real people and living in a real time that had their swords out. All right? They had their weapons. And, uh, and if you want to see what the Bible thinks about bearing arms, you can just read it, okay? Um, but these people were bearing arms, and they were building, and they were bearing arms. And we'll say more about that in just a minute. I should have had a sheaf or something for this. I'll just, 
stab the carpet and put that right there for now. Uh, I, listen, I just hope nobody else gets stabbed, all right? Uh, if it's just carpet or something, we'll be all right. But look at a couple things they did do, a couple things they didn't do. They're surrounded by the enemy. Go back with me to verse number 9. I love this. Well, let me go back to verse number 8. The Bible says, And conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder. The enemy's coming in. They're surrounding you. But I love this verse 9. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And what you'll find out is from verses 7 to 12 tells you what happened and then verses 13 go into detail about the summary of these verses. What did they do? Number one, they looked to the Lord. They looked to the Lord. I love that word, that first word of verse 9, nevertheless. In other words, that word means in opposition to anything, without regarding it, or without being prevented. Here's what I want to encourage you in today. No matter what the enemy's bringing against you today, nevertheless. You can have a nevertheless attitude. You can have a ne nevertheless stand. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God. When we face a situation that creates fear in our hearts, we must remind ourselves of the greatness of God Almighty. If we walk by sight and view God through the problems, we will fail. The Jews at Kadesh Barnea, if you'll remember... There was 12 spies went into the land and they saw giants in the land. Great big old soldiers bigger than any of them. And they come back and they said, man, that, that, at that place that God said, this is the blessing. Remember what I told you? God's got a life for you. God's got a promise for you. But I want you to know something. Somebody's going to let you know, yeah, but there's giants over there. You got to fight. And so 10 of the 12 came back and said, yeah, but it looks great. This life that we could maybe have, it looks like it'd be a great life, but there's a problem. There's something bigger there. See, sometimes we just go by our own sight. And what they did is they looked at their problems uh, not through... I'm going to cut my foot off. They, they looked at their problems not through the eyes of God, but through their own eyes, and therefore they forget God's promise. What happens is we panic when we see the battle. And here's what we say. You know, I remember we're going back here a little bit. You mean God's, God's got a purpose for my life? And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, the number one purpose for your life is to be saved. Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for your sins. He loves you enough. He loves you so much that He would rather die than spend eternity without you. And he went to the cross and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and rose again the third day. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's God's purpose for you to be saved. And it's God's purpose for you to have an abundant life. Not only life, but an abundant life. So here it is. God's got that life. And so you say, hey, Zach, I'm telling you, man, God wants you to live in victory, brother. And we're like, woohoo, good, I want to go on in victory. Then all of a sudden we get in a battle. We get in a fight. We're like, what's this all about? What? I thought you said there's going to be a victory. And that's where I say sometimes, like, well, well, yeah. You don't have a victory unless, unless you have a battle. Right? Uh, and so we've got to be willing to step in. Don't be shocked. 
You remember, that's one of the reasons that God did, that's one of the reasons that God took the children of Israel the long way anyway to start with. He said, these people ain't ready to see war. And I'm telling you, some of you might not be ready to see war, but I'm telling you, God can get you ready. And I, I want to get you ready today to see war because you're going to see it. I'm just telling you, you're going to see it. I love what was a part of the Apostle Paul's discipleship plan there in the book of Acts. The thing he taught those new believers is how that through much tribulation they'll enter into the kingdom of God. Because it's not always going to be easy. But if we step out, if we're willing to step out and, and, and take that step and do what God said and be faithful and just go and, and, and don't shrink back in here. Don't go back. Don't give up. Don't slide back. Keep going in that direction to follow God. I'm telling you, He will fight for you. But if you start shrinking back and slinking back, I'm telling you, you're going into defeat. You're going into defeat and you're going right into the enemy's hands. And rather than the abundant life that Jesus promised you, you're falling right into the steal, kill, and destroy of the enemy. I can remember years ago, uh, when, when I talk about my old times, and I, I use a couple examples of... Uh, of uh, 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 fights or getting close to fights I was in, it probably won't surprise you to know I was not a tough guy. Amen? Brother Hutchins, tough guy. Brother Hutchins is uh, closed in on 80 years old. I still wouldn't want to fight that man sitting right there. I'm telling you the truth. But I can remember one time there was this friend of mine that uh, he was kind of a punk, and he, he probably deserved a good you know, butt whooping, really. Um, but he had this whole group of dudes that hated his guts. And he, because he ran his mouth. He ran his mouth. He took one of them's girl. And these guys, and we couldn't hardly go anywhere without these dudes trying to, you know, follow us in their car and jump them. And he would run and, and all this and that. And it was just a continual thing. This friend of mine, these dudes were always, and I, it, it was just annoying. He was an annoying dude anyway, you know. He's one of those dudes that were uh, playing, we were at the movie palace playing Super Mario Brothers on the deal, you know, and, uh, and then uh, he says, hey, you want to cover my house? I've got a Nintendo at home. That dude didn't have it. He had a Nintendo, a Mercedes, and I don't know what all that dude had. And he lived in the hood. I mean, he didn't have any of that stuff. He was just one of them, and he just ran his mouth. He was a liar. Anyway, that's the kind of people I hung out with. But one day, when we, we were hanging, this was during the time of my life when I was hanging down on what was called the block in Gastonia, North Carolina, hanging down on the block. And the block is the hood, man. I mean, the block is the hood of the hood, all right? But that's where I was hanging out during that time. And uh, we had made some pretty rough friends along the way. And one of the friends that we made was a fellow that just got out of prison. And his name was Chili Box. I'm not sure if that was his given name or not, you know. Uh, but all I ever knew him by was Chili Box. Well, Chili Box was a pretty big, tough dude. And Chili Box, he happened to be with us when these dudes caught up with my friend again. And Chili Box is standing back behind my friend, and these dudes are confronting my friend. And Chili Box just says, all you got to do, he said, you just jump in there, you throw the first punch, and I'm coming in. That's all you got to do. And Chili Box is going to clean up, all right? Um, but you want to know what happened? My friend, I keep almost wanting to say his name, but I'm not going to say it, uh, my friend uh, was too scared. Chili Box didn't want to hang out with us anymore after that, by the way. Uh, he was too scared to jump in there and throw that first punch. If he would have done that, there's a good chance this whole deal would have been over and, and his little 
you know, continued torture might have been over for a while. But he was too scared and he drew back. I don't know who put that there. But, uh, I, but, but, but the point I'm just simply trying to make is we've got to be willing to step out and fight. And we've got to be willing to be, be willing to step out, trust God. See, if we learn to look at the problem through the greatness of God, we will have confidence and succeed. Uh, for many of us that have the, the, the particular Bible app that a number of, of, of us use, the verse of the day yesterday was 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look, not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And right in that same context, you want to know what he said? He said, for this cause we faint not. In other words, Paul knew what it was to be overwhelmed. But he said, the reason I'm not overwhelmed is I'm not looking at the things that are seen. I'm looking at the things that are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. This is the same approach that David took when he faced Goliath. Hezekiah, when the the overwhelming force of the Assyrians was coming on Hezekiah, going to surround and besiege the city. He took the threats of Hezekiah and laid them out before the Lord. And he didn't look at at the terror of the Assyrians. He looked to the glory of God. And he said, God, this is too much for us, but it's not too much for you. And you want to know what happened? God came through. God, and God will come through for you. One of my favorite psalms, I've got about 150 of them, but one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 46 where the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Did you know that psalm was not written by David, but it was written by Hezekiah? When? When God delivered the city and delivered them from the Assyrians. So not only did Hezekiah, I think about Elisha in 2 Kings chapter number 6. Elisha and his servant, two men. They had the entire army, boys. They had the entire army come and surround them in a valley. And isn't it something when God puts you in some place you ought not be? In a way. I mean, if you've got an army after you, I know what we'll do. Let's go get down in the low point. That way when the army comes, they'll have the high ground all around us. But that's where they were. And and the story there in 2 Kings chapter number 6, I love it. Because the servant of Elisha goes out and he sees the army. And he says, oh boy. He runs in and he says to Elisha, we're in trouble. The army's found us. We're surrounded. We can't get out. Elisha didn't so much as get up and look outside at all. Elisha just said a prayer and said, Lord, open up his eyes. And when he prayed that prayer, and then that servant went out again, and he said he wanted him to see that they which be for us are more than they which be against us, and God let him see the unseen. God ever let you see the unseen? By faith, I mean. But, but, But he literally saw the unseen. He saw the armies of heaven surrounded that Syrian army. And all of a sudden, the Syrian army didn't look so tough. And he was reminded that God is greater. How about you today? What are you looking at? What's on your mind right now? Well, there's this problem, there's that problem. How many's greatest problem is just sitting right there in the chair with you, yourself? Looks you in the mirror every morning. I mean, is that what you're focused on? We get focused on the problems. What are you looking at? They look to the Lord. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God. My goodness. Listen, not only did they look to the Lord, they also praised the Lord. The Bible says they prayed. They made their prayer unto God. 
Folks, a big part of praying is praising God, magnifying, recognizing the Lord, remembering the Lord. Too often we magnify our problems, including ourselves. We think we're such a big hindrance, and we are, but we're not greater than God. I, listen, my weakness is not greater than God's strength. My limitations are not greater than God's ability. So I just need to quit using that as an excuse all the time. And I just need to say, here am I, Lord, send me. And, and, and trust the Lord. So they did praise the Lord. I'll tell you what they didn't do. They didn't ignore the enemy. Notice verse number 13 quickly. The Bible says, Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families and with their swords and their spears and their bows. Verse 12 that I read there, it says that they set a watch against them day and night. So he set a watch. So word got out that the enemy was coming in. And, uh, but, but it got, so what Nehemiah did is, okay, everybody grab weapons. You get your sword, get your spear, get whatever weapon you may have, and I want y'all to go stand up on the wall. And I, want just, I just want you to let the enemy see that you're armed, that you know what they're doing. And so they, and as soon as the enemy saw that, they knew that word had got back to, uh, to uh, the Jews. Now here's the thing with us. Folks, we're armed as well. And it's about time we stand up and let the enemy see that we're armed. It's, it's about the time that we let the enemy stand up and understand that we have weapons. The weapons of our warfare. And I'm speaking on a spiritual side right now, but... Uh, uh, another one to be for another conversation, but, uh, but, but, but spiritually speaking, folks, we have weapons. See, they didn't ignore the enemy. They set a watch. I want to tell you this. So they recognized the enemy, but this is really important. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get, drive this part home. They recognized the enemy. They didn't magnify the enemy. They magnified the Lord. See, it's real easy to magnify the enemy. Now I'm going to start talking with the sword, all right? And, uh, but, but it's real easy to magnify the enemy, to magnify the problem. But what we need to learn to do is recognize the problem, recognize the enemy, but look to the Lord. That's one of my jobs as a pastor. That's one of our jobs as people. I'm always trying to get people to say, yes, I, that's what Nehemiah was doing. Okay, folks, I see the army, but you need to look to Jesus. I see the problem, but remember our God. Look to Him. So they, did not, they didn't ignore the enemy. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch ye. He said we set a watch. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. So they didn't ignore the enemy. But notice what they did do. They did arm themselves. Look at verse number 16. The Bible says, And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, so they kept on working, and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows and the habergens, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall, and they that bare burdens with those that laid it, every one with, uh, with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. They armed themselves. Folks, as Christians, we need weapons and we need tools. And it's not just one or the other. See, some of God's people are seeing like I'm seeing. 
Brother Hutchins started talking about it. What's the problem in our country? It's a spiritual problem. But we're seeing the problem. We're seeing it all around us. And so people are, are, are grabbing arms. And I mean, spiritually speaking, we're going to go to battle. We're going to take these people on. But what they forget is they forget and they put their tools down. Now, on the other hand, some people try to be oblivious about the threats that we face and just keep on working as if nothing's happening. See, too many leaders have laid down their rallying trumpets because Nehemiah had a trumpet, as we'll mention in closing in a moment. We must sound the alarm, muster the people to their stations. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, that the weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal, not fleshly. The realm that we battle in is a spiritual realm. Our weapons are not physical weapons in this spiritual battle. Folks, are they're spiritual weapons, not physical weapons. And so we have demonic forces. It's not flesh and blood. Now, Satan uses flesh and blood, but it's not flesh and blood. If we hope to win the war and finish the job, we must use God's spiritual equipment. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I mean, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and so on. If we focus on the visible enemy alone and forget the invisible enemy, we are sure to start trusting in our own resources and lead ourselves to defeat. Now, I like this. Not only did they arm themselves, but in these verses it said they armed their families. Now, there's physical applications I would like to make to this right now, but for the sake of time, we need to arm our children when it comes to the battles that they're facing. As a pastor, one of the things I've tried to do with our young people, with your children and the ones coming up, is I'm trying to arm them against some of the things they may hear when they go off to college, when they go off on their jobs. Uh, the, the out and out, I mean, unseen agenda and the, and the lies. I'm trying to arm them with, with truth of the Word of God against some of the things they'll hear and some of the things that'll be said. But it's our job as parents to arm our children. We send our children into hostile territory. And I don't believe that's an, an exaggeration many times into the world of academia. There's an ambush awaiting many of them, and it's an ambush, however, that's in plain sight. He that hath eyes to see, let him see. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I mean, my friend, it's obvious what's waiting out there. We have weapons to thwart the enemy. I mean, think about this. What do you do when the enemy of temptation comes? Well, the Bible gives us some good words there. When temptation comes, number one, one good way to, not get into tempt to, to avoid being tempted is sometimes we need to keep ourselves out of slippery places. Sometimes we put ourselves into the place of temptation. Solomon beheld a young man that went down a street to, a, uh, to a, uh, a woman that was a harlot. But the first thing he did is he turned and went down her street. And then he came near to her house. See, before, he put himself in the place of temptation. And so before you know it, the Bible says he ended up going after her like, uh, like an animal that's going to the slaughter. So, but, but what do we do about that? Number one, keep ourselves, try to keep ourselves from the places of temptation. I'll say not only that, uh, in, 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 a, in addition to that, I think also about uh, Joseph. Well, he, the Bible says flee fornication. So if we're talking about sexual temptation. There's a bunch of different kinds of temptation. But, but he says flee fornication. Joseph gave us a picture of that, didn't he? 
Potiphar's beautiful wife was trying to seduce him. And what did he do? Man, he, took, he turned tail and ran. He didn't say, I'm going to show everybody how spiritual strong I am. I can withstand temptation. No, he, he got out of Dodge, uh, so to speak. Uh, but then also, take advantage of the way to escape. The Bible says there no, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with the temptation also make uh, a way to escape. When we have fear, the Bible says, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. When we have discouragement, whether it's self-doubt, self-focus, anger, whatever it is, folks, God has the weapons in the Word of God that will help you and I to overcome in the battles that we fight. So he had the people up there working. What do I do with my trial? There it is. He had the people working. He had them with a sword in one hand and a trial in the other hand. And I really should be more specific because if you'll notice, it said they had a, a tool in one hand and it said now they had half of them divided up. I'm going to try this. Y'all pray for me. Is there a medic in the house? This is my sheath. I'm going to cut my belt off. This is, it ain't all that sharp. Uh, all right. It says they had their, it said they had their weapon by their side. Now, you want to know why they had their weapon by their side? Because the main thing was to stay in the work. That's the main thing. The main thing was to keep doing. In other words, he, Nehemiah, told, Nehemiah said, I'm going to be watching I've got a guy with a trumpet beside me. If the enemy comes in, I'll blow the trumpet. Everybody put your tool down and get your sword drawn. All right? But in the meantime, keep your eyes on the work. Keep your eyes on doing something for God. Now, I understand that doing that is a battle within itself because the enemy is trying to fight against us and everything while we claim ground, while we try to be a witness, while we do the work that we need to do. But it's tempting, isn't it? There's a lot of Christians today that think it must be time to put down the tools because they see the enemy. But the reminder is, no, 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 no. Keep your weapon. Be ready. Be ready to fight. But keep working. Keep working. Keep building. Keep growing in the Word of God. And Nehemiah, one of his key responsibilities was to say, no, 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 don't worry about that out there. You just keep doing something for God. You just keep doing a work for the Lord. And that's what they did. They kept on working. See, we can get many distractions today. I think that's the way you take them out. Uh, I mean, but there's no doubt, just like today, people are like, preacher, we need to get to fighting, don't we? Forget about this church business. Forget about discipleship and, and growing in the Word and, and, and you know, soul winning and, and here you are. Do you not see the enemy all around us? I see the enemy all around us. Keep on working. Because really, what's going to help is that, honestly, if we see the enemy, they're not really the enemy anyway. But if we keep working, what we do is we have the opportunity to win some of those people who have been fooled by the devil, get them in Jerusalem and get them working with us. See, the work must go on. The church still matters. Being active and involved in a part of the church, it still matters. Uh, boy, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you this last thing. There's a few more things we could say. This last thing and then a conclusion. Does that count as the last thing? Verses 19 and 20, I like this. The Bible says, And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we, be, we are separated upon the wall far from one another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort thither unto us, for God shall fight for us. And what you'll find out is he said, stay close. Stay in unity. 
Can I tell you something? The times that you want to be away from people the most, it's probably the time you need to be around people the most. You don't know what I found in my own life? There's times when I'm struggling. Let me tell you something. There's times when I'm struggling, having a tough time, that I kind of don't want to see y'all. Because I don't know if I can put a smile on, you know? I don't know if I can act like everything's okay. But you know something I found out about this church? I don't have to act like everything's okay. I've talked to so many people, you know, and, and I've been there. I, I've had people ask me back when I was a, a, a younger Christian, where you been, Jesse? You know what my answer was? Just going through a tough time right now. Okay? Now, I understand it because I was there, but what God is saying is, well, then you might need to get around your brothers and your sisters. You might, and, and there was another passage in here earlier where the Bible says, fight for your brethren, fight for your children, fight for your family. Hey, we're here to fight for you. Hey, this church will fight for you. Amen. This church will fight for you. Don't go out there facing the enemy on your own. Don't do it. This church will fight for you. Stand. Uh, stand for the Lord. So there was unity. And then the last thing is we all stand here today. Here's what Nehemiah said. You ready for this? Here's what Nehemiah said. He said, all right, boys. He said, you got your weapons? Yeah, we got our weapons. All right. We'll keep them by our side. Get your tools out and get to building. Until when? We just read it. Until you hear the trumpet sound. Just keep working. And you know what? You want to know something? The church is going to go on until the trumpet sounds. Amen? And so let's just keep on working. Keep your sword by your side. Be ready to fight. Every once in a while you might have to come out and say, you step into this? I'm ready for you, son. You know, step up. I ain't scared. You got it? Okay. Get back to work. You ain't coming up in my house. You know what I'm saying? There, there's times we, we, we show our weapons. We let the enemy know that we're not going to back down. Then we, all right? And then we get back and we start working. Right? And we work till the trumpet sounds. Amen? And I'm telling you, the trumpet's going to sound one day. And you know what I want to do? I want to be found doing what God told me to do, still doing His work. I don't want to be doing out here crusading, doing something that God never told me to do in the first place. I want to be doing what God said to do. Amen? So I don't know where your heart's at today as Danny begins to play. But uh, you surrounded today? Are you discouraged? you intimidated? Are you fearful? Hey, let me tell you something. Don't back down. Don't step away. Don't slow down. Say, preacher, I want victory. Well, I do too, but we're going to have to fight. But here's the good news. What you find out is God will do the fighting for you. But we've got to be faithful. We've got to be willing to step out there. How about you this morning? How about you today? I wonder. I'd, I'd, earlier, I'd, I'd talk to those about whether or not you know Christ is your Savior. Man, I tell you, Jesus loves you. He came for you. He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible, you know the way the Bible puts it? There's a lot that might not, you know, might be a little tougher to understand about the Bible. But one thing God says is when it comes to salvation, He makes it really simple. It's a gift. We, you and I had a need. You had a need. And that was for forgiveness. It was for salvation. 
All of us were born sinners, and that separates us from God Almighty. Separates us now, and it will separate you for all eternity if you die without Him. That's where the place called hell comes in. Now, it was created for the devil and his angels, not for you. But there's only two places to spend eternity. You will, you will, be, you will live on forever in either, either heaven or hell. But he loves you so much, he didn't want you to perish. So he paid the price for you. You ever buy a gift? You look at the price, don't you? Can I afford it? How much does it cost? When Jesus looked at what it was going to cost him for you, it was beaten, scourging, nails, blood, you name it. And Jesus said, I'll pay it. It's worth it. I'll pay it. I'll buy that gift. And that's exactly what he did on the cross when he died. That's exactly what he did when he rose again the third day, wrapping it up, putting your name on it. That's the way a gift works halfway. The other side of the gift is when he comes and offers it to you. It might be wrapped and it might have your name on it, but have you received the gift of salvation? I think about some of the young people we got in church today. I bet they're waiting, waiting on Christmas already. Those presents get wrapped under the tree. Can you imagine kids being excited about those presents under the tree? Christmas come and go and them just be saying, boy, it was so good to have them presents under the tree. Not the way it works, is it? They want to get it. They want to open it. What I'm just simply trying to say is this. I want to ask you, have you received the gift of salvation? Have you received Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, God makes it so simple. He says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If from your heart today you can cry out to the Lord and admit your sin, admit your need for Him, be willing to turn to Him today, He'll save you. Would you be willing to do that today? You could pray a prayer, something like this from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. God, and I admit that to you today. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Lord, I don't ask for a sign and I don't ask for a feeling. I trust your word today. Now those words can be said and just repeated and not mean a thing. But if from your heart you can pray a prayer like that, you can know what it means to be saved. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for your wonderful, wonderful truth. Help us to stand in face of opposition. Help us to stand in all that we have to battle against. Help us, God, to be willing to take that step. Help us to fight for our brothers and our sisters. And I just want the folks to know here today, I'm going to fight for them. Sometimes it'd be easier just to give up. But God, with your help and grace, I want to fight. With your help and grace, God, I want a church, God, that's going to fight for one another, get each other's back, lift each other up when we're down, because sometimes we're down. Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Thank you, dear Lord God, for your faithfulness and your blessings in Jesus' name. Right before we dismiss today, I want to ask